1: Hello everyone. you will listening to Battle Red Radio. My name is Matt Weston. Tonight, I'm joined by the biggest, the fattest, the drunkest on them
0: all, BFT Agent tonight, Man. Man, I'm doing awesome. We're going to talk about the foosballs. We got to watch the Texans kind of sort of play last Thursday. So, woo! Yeah. Uh,
1: well, before we get to that, did you know that the Texans without GM is a very stupid football organization and they may possibly trade Jaden Clowney.
0: <laughs> I here's here's my here's my take on the, the the Texas GM situation. If you're if you're an, an NFL GM, not on the Texans, aren't you calling him up every day, going, "Hey, hey guys, what do y'all want for Deshaun Watson? You know he's not looking so good. You know what do you guys want for this guy? What do you want for D Hop? You know, come on, man, we can work something out. We can work out a trade. Wouldn't you just be so super manipulative? Because it's like right now the Texans are like the really bad fantasy baseball owner in your league who does these like conglomeration of crap trades. Like you'll trade like Mike Trout for three prospects kind of trades. And that's what the, I feel like the Texans are right now. So I, yeah. I, I would be on the phone every day just going, hey guys, you know what? Hey, look, we got a We got a second round draft pick out here. You guys could really use some more draft picks next year. Hey, what do you think about, you know, Bernard McKinney? Yeah, I, I, think,
1: I think that'd be the moves to try to trade for like Cunningham or McKinney or Reader or, I don't know if they part ways with Fuller. I'll even try to get one of the Jordan rookies, you know, or even wearing because it doesn't seem like Bill O'Brien even likes him at all. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would be trying to poach some of these other players at all for it. But I guess kind of what happened was today's Wednesday. On Monday, there were a bunch of, you know, tweets from not like sources or – but it's people who said they had sources and they said right. they wouldn't be surprised if planning was trade today. These are people who are just like, you know, they write for the USA Today versus the Texans a battle red blogger, I should say, or like a guy who I guess knows Jaday Gunn-Klein personally, and he said he's out of here. And, uh, I mean, he hasn't been traded yet. And then yesterday John McClain said he would be surprised if he was traded. Michael Lombardi uh, doubled down on that. And then it was also said that he nicks the trade to the Miami Dolphins as well, too. And so the Texans, I don't even know if they are. And then Bill Bryan they asked today if, if they're looking to the trade him, and he said – I uh, know he's still here. We plan on him being here. and We're ex- excited to have him back here or whatever. So who knows? Um, so, PFT, do you think the Texans should do what the rumors have said they've been doing, and do you think they should trade
0: and Clowney? I think Clowney is a perfect example of what not having a football person running your operations is doing to the team because he should have been re-signed. And I, to, for me, for my money, this goes back to Brian Gaines should have taken care of this before he got walked out the door. Um, this has been the worst offseason I think I've ever seen a a pro football team have. It's just, it's lacking in any sort of cohesion, any sort of strategy, you know, not signing a guy like Clowney. Yes, he's going to be expensive, but look, and I get it. He doesn't put up the happy counting stats and I get that. What I also get is that, Right now, Romeo Cornell gives basically J.J. Watt license to line up against his best matchup. So you have Watt consistently going against right tackles and Clowney consistently going against left tackles. And Guess which one's better? Watt's always picking up that matchup to give him the better advantage at Clowney's expense. So if you want to know why Clowney doesn't have great counting numbers, especially sacks, well, J.J. Watt's telling Clowney, go, hey, you, you take that double team. I'm going to go single up over here on the right tackle. So there is a reason Clowney doesn't have those pretty counting stats. But what he without Clowney, this defense is is not good. It's not going to be good at all. And to for me, if you're gonna trade this guy, there there's not enough value you can get via trade that's gonna come back and help the team this year. There's not. You're gonna have to get some sort of future thing. So you either write off twenty nineteen, which it seems like we're kind of doing anyway or you don't trade them. And which one is it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think you brought a good point with the Clowney stats because that's one of the things that I think are like, super annoying, but it's like, well, he's hurt. He hasn't lived up to his potential. I mean, last year, you just look at the pass rushing numbers. Watt had 16 sacks, Clowney had 9 sacks. And this is a real point. It's like, well, Clowney's not you know, an incredible pass rusher. Uh, but he's still a very good one. But even if you look at just what what Watt and Clowney did last year, Watt had 15 4 hits, Clowney had 11. Why have 42 hurries? Clowney at 35, and there's not like a huge you know difference between the two. Really, like the biggest difference that you could say is like you said, where Why is picking up three sacks against Chad Wheeler against the New York Giants? Why, while Javen uh, Clowney is working against Nate Solder on the other end, um, JJ Watt's picking up two sacks against Brand Wells in Week 17 against Jacksonville. Where you know Clowney, I was really hoping he was going to get that 10 sack. The game didn't happen. I just make the haters and losers mad, but. You know, like, he, he does get the harder matchup, and he does do that bungee jumping through the middle of the line scrimmage is a way to create pressures well, too. But, I mean, like, Clowney's still a really good pass rusher. He's not a top-10 pass rusher like Watt is, but he's still a very good one. He's also – I think he's the best edge run defender in football. Uh, just the things he does are just so grotesque and diabolical. And no other than Texas Detroit Clowney, because he's also in his age, age 26 season. He's in the prime of his career. He's been healthy the last three seasons. I think he'll get even better as a pass rusher, too. He just needs a secondary move after his first move gets stopped. And, uh, and this team really needs him. Like they, if they don't have Clowney, this is probably going to be a defense that gives up you know, 28 points every game because they have to create pressure because their secondary is not very good, especially the cornerback position. And while Clowney aren't both being monsters week in, week out, games like you know the divisional round happened where – or the wild card round happened where the Colts scored 21 points really quick. Uh, games like the Jets happen where, I mean, why well, had a great game that game. Like, Sam Darnold still scored 24 points against them. Uh, you know, like, those, those sorts of things tend to happen whenever you don't have them generating the same amount of pressure like that. And, uh, and you look at the schedule, too, and they're playing the Falcons, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Patriots. Uh, they're probably the worst offense they're going to play this year is maybe the Raiders. And the Raiders still have Antonio Brown, Tyler Williams, and Derek Carr. And, uh, you know, who knows what happens over there. And so I think it's a, it'd be an absolute travesty. And it'd be a a cataclysming events for this team if they do trade clowney for like a first round pick.
0: Yeah. And because there's no there's no getting there's no replacing that value. So if you trade Clowney, in my opinion you're basically saying, Okay, we're screwing twenty nineteen, we're moving on to twenty twenty because this team is not gonna be competitive without we can't there's there's nobody's gonna step up, there's no Duke GO for it to come in as another guy. There's like outside of Whitney Merciless, there's nobody on the roster who can get to the quarterback. Yeah, no, for sure. And even
1: Merciless, I know they're talking about him, like looking great right now in off season that like he was hurt last year. But he still is a guy who has to rush to tie five. Hopefully, you know Cornell uses him better this year. But I still wouldn't be expecting you know Merciless age 30 to have you know eight sacks this year. It really just is dependent on on how they use my thing. Like like you mentioned, blocks and can't rush the passer. Reader can't, can't rush the passer. Uh, Dunn can't rush the passer. And then Scarlet can't rush the passer. Calum Bly can't rush the passer. They have nobody else. It's just up to these two guys. And whatever merciless offers, just kind of wild card for that too. Um, so the reports are that Clowney nicks the traits of the Dolphins. I don't know if that's true or not. Because the Texans are in a weird situation where Clowney isn't signed to a contract at the moment. So if they trade him, he has to agree to his franchise tag. And then they can trade him. And if he does say he's probably going to want to have a long-term deal in place wherever he ends up going this to small too. And so he does have all the leverage so he can pick where he wants to go. The Texans can't just go out there and get the best offer for him. So, like, what do you think the Dolphins could offer for Clowney? And if the Texans are looking to trade him, what are they looking to try to receive this year for him?
0: Well, here's, here's the thing. is, is I, I'm not for a second buying that he nicks to trade to the Dolphins. Number one, I don't think he's got that leverage right and number well, two he, he could he could not sign his franchise tender that's he's, i guess it's true that's his leverage you're like no i'm not gonna sign if, if you're gonna in miami but but the thing is is that he is from that that part of the nation he's part from that you know southeast part of the world that's supposedly the dolphins were his number one choice before he supposedly nicks that trade hmm. so, so there's a lot of like con- conflicting information i for one i'm just not buying it at all that he nicks that deal um uh, what are we going to get for him? Look, if we're trading him to the Dolphins, then Larry Tunsil would have been somebody I would expect to come back. But then look look what happens. Okay, so I say that. So let's say Me Tunsil and we get, I don't know, a third-round pick in that deal, right? Because we have Tunsil under co- uh, contract for a couple of years, and, and Tunsil hasn't quite lived up to what he was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think
1: this is Tunsil's fourth year also. So you're looking at paying Tunsil, you know, million next year year. to come up with a long-term contract after that too.
0: Yeah. So, but let's say Tunsil. So, but you just drafted your left tackle of the future in Titus Howard and you just drafted your right tackle of the future in Max Sharping. So are you then like already giving, you know, throwing in the towel on Titus Howard are you already throwing in the towel, moving sharping to guard, which is probably his best spot anyway at this point? So that to me has a lot of trickle down effects. Of you know, are we already giving up on Titus Howard as our left tackle of the future? So maybe you go out to the to the uh, to Washington and you say, okay, so send us Trent Williams. You know, that, that I don't know what good that do. That's a, that's a one or two year stop gap at left tackle. Once again, we take away snaps from Titus Howard learning that position. So, where we really need to address the situation is cornerback. So, the biggest, like the best looking trade that I could come up with uh, was with the Ravens to send Clowney to for a Jimmy Smith type deal. You know, I don't, yeah. you, you can't, I don't know if you go trade for a left tackle. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure that addresses it, Matt. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get anything really at this point of the year, as far as a player to player thing, I think you're looking to get like a first round pick, uh, and maybe like a, a future, you know, second or the round pick that, you know, kind of dependent on, on where you, know, how many snaps, maybe funny plays or how many, you know, sacks he has or some sort of sense out to it. But I don't, I don't know what player for player, you know, trade they're going to get for him. Um, and, I mean, like, even, even the, the Trent Williams thing, like, he's a very good left tackle, but he's always hurt. He hasn't played 16 games, I think, in three years. Uh, he's 31 years old. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think this team – I think Clowney's too good. He's too important. He's what you can build this defense around. Who knows how many games Watts can play this year or even next year or the year after? Who knows how long his career is going to go? And Clowney's like a cornerstone that you can keep building your defense around for the next, you know, three to four years. And, uh, and there's not like a, I've thought about, it. I've thought about potential trades and that sort of thing, but there's nothing out there that, you know, I'd love enough because it's like, yeah, let's say you have Jimmy Smith, Jonathan Joseph, uh, you know, Aaron Colvin slash brand by Calhoun. And, uh, well, and Bradley Roby as your, as your cornerback room, like that's still not good enough to make up for having a pass rush. And why then gets double triple team then you, know, you hope merciless is healthy and has, you know, 10 sacks and, it's just too many what-ifs. So, I mean, there's not a trade out there that I really like for Clowney at all. Um, but I'm expecting if they do do it, it would be something like a left tackle and a second-round pick or uh, a first-round pick. And even then, and even they don't even have a GM this year. So it's like, how are you going to scout for next year to even come up with a good uh, selection in the first round? And it's funny, too, because I know we joked about earlier this summer with a GM, it's like, yeah, just trade all of your picks for players because you can't even scout for the draft at all this year anyways with Bill O'Brien coaching the team and being the GM at the same time. And they kind of did that with the Duke-Johnson training away too. But, uh, yeah, there's not, there's not anything that really stands out. I think it would be extremely stu- – one, it's extremely stupid they didn't extend Clowney. Two, it's really dumb that he's play- going to have to play the franchise tag. And three, like them trading him, um, I think it, it's just it's just also immensely like, absurd and dumb as well too. And so let's say the Texans do trade Clowney. Let's say they get like Trent Williams for him. What do you think that Texas record would
0: be with Clowney and without Clowney? I, I think he, I, I mean, that's a great question is what is he going to bring? And I think that what he, I don't think he's worth like a full win by himself, right? So I think maybe they're a six win team with them. They're a five and a half team, five and a half win team without them. Uh, I think that's the, about the most value you can apply to him. But I think that if, if you're still not, What's the best way I can put this. There's going to be teams that we're going to match up well against. I think Oakland we match up well against. Um, They're going to be able to throw the ball against us to a certain degree. But we're not playing the Bills this year. We're not playing those sorts of teams that have to run the ball to be successful. So what it tells me is that you're not going to be in game. So when we play the Saints, we're not going to be pressuring Drew Brees. They're going to drop 50 on us without Clowney, but they only drop 40 on us with Clowney. So that's the sort of thing I'm looking at is that he's just he, he's going to make more of a difference on a game-to-game level, but he, I don't think he makes a difference as far as the number of wins. I just think that we're not competitive without him against certain teams, the Falcons, the Saints, the Patriots, and those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, and I think this, that's the biggest thing for me, though, is that the only run-heavy teams that they played this year are Jacksonville, Tennessee, and then everybody else is are competent in passing offenses. And I think, you know, seeing the Raiders are competent in passing offenses – Maybe a stretch, but who knows, you know, what happens this year with them, uh, with the wide receivers they added. And their offensive line should be better um, this year as well, too. But it's like you take, you take you know, 11 other games over the course of all those 11 games where you need a pass rush, and whenever their pass rush with and without Clowney, like I think they'd probably be, you know, 25th in pressure rate without Clowney, whereas they'd be fifteen in pressure rate with them. And so I think over the course of 15 games and the amount of passing offenses they play, like I think – like, I would probably say with Clowney, I would say the Houston's probably about an eight-win team, and that's making the assumption that Watson's going to play at top-ten quarterback level and they gonna be able to score points and stay in these games. and Hopefully they win enough close games whenever these shootouts they have to play. Without Clowney, I'd say this is probably a six-win team because they're not going to have the pass rush over the course of those 11 games. They're going to miss out. I think it's a, a huge difference between the two uh, with them with, without Clowney. And, like, if they trade him, like, I'm just completely done and giving up on this year. And I'll just have to – I don't know, I'll move to Tampa Bay and get a Hawaiian shirt and uh, and enjoy watching James Winston attempt, like, every pass for at least 13 yards of the game.
0: So, just looking at the numbers, like, so we had 43 sacks last year. Matthew had three of those. If we trade a Clowney, that'd be another nine. Christian Covington had three egr half. Um, EGOR4 had one. So we'd be coming. We'd we'd have from the 43 sacks. We'd only have like about 28 back on the team this year, which seems like if you take Clowney out of the equation and whom else we've taken out of the equation, that seems about right. 28 sacks are an NFL team in this NFL in this day and age would be terribly poor.
1: Yeah, and I mean like Clowney, why account for like I think close to 60 percent of all sacks, quarterback hits and pressures, and now you're taking away half of that, and now your pass rushes. Is- I don't know, drop by, I guess, 30%. I don't know how the numbers work out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just it's completely impotent, you know. And then what you're going to expect Jonathan Joseph to you know, run downfield with even uh, you know, Paris Campbell. I don't even see that even happening. So, yeah, I think it would be an absolute disaster for the season if they trade him. And I don't think a first-round pick is worth it. I think Trent Williams is worth it, I think, 100% for this year. And even just trying to maximize the Sean Watson's rookie contract for this year next year. You need to have clown on this team as well, too. Uh, and I think, I think part, of the, part of the reason why this whole Clowney trade came up was that – or the rumors have gone from percolating to boiling is because this offensive line is really bad. And I think this offensive line is going to be worse this year than it was last year, which is kind of uh, insane to say because we're talking about an offensive line that finished, you know, 30-second in pressure rate, 30-second just a sack rate, and a team that gave up 62 sacks last year. And that's also you know, part of this on Deshaun Watson. You know, Watson, I think was third in the league with for you know, time he held the ball before he threw it at three point oh two seconds. Uh, you know, also Davenport at right tackle, ranking at left tackle was a disaster. They count for a lot of sacks. They had ability to block at the tight end position. I count for a lot of sacks too. But I mean, that was a, it was an awful offense. Uh, it was an awful pass protection last year, and this year it could even be worse. Uh, in the first preseason game, they try out Matt Khalil left tackle, Tyus Howard left guard, Great Minks at center, Zach Fulton right guard, and Sancho Henderson as right tackle as their offensive line. And uh, so uh, do you think this offensive line could actually be worse than uh, last year like I just alluded to?
0: I don't have any doubt in my mind it's going to be worse at this point. I mean, the fact that we are putting such st- – Bill O'Brien, I'm not saying we on this one, Bill O'Brien is stressing so much versatility. So I guess he wants these guys to suck at every position along the line of scrimmage rather than just one. And that makes no sense. I I just, I I don't get this strategy at all. It's great. You have a guy who plays left tackle. you You have a guy that plays right tackle. Let's call them maybe Dwayne Brown and Eric Winston. And you let them sit there for 10 years at their positions and do really well and, and, and learn the positions inside and out. And then you have like a Chris Clark who can play both. Right. So you know, you're going to – it's a downgrade no matter what, but at least you let these two guys learn to play the positions.
1: Yeah.
0: Bill O'Brien is refusing to do that. So now we're, we're left with this cluster kitten at, at along the offensive line. Is this going to be worse? Look, that offensive line that ended the year last year wasn't half bad. Once we got past the Martinez Rankin at left tackle and the Julian Davenport at right tackle experiment, Davenport's numbers on the second – well, for the rest of the season weren't that disgusting. They were when he was at right tackle. So – If, if, you know, that's why I was kind of like Julian Davenport really is the best left tackle on the team today, right now, still as depressing as that might be. So what are you going to do with them now? And he barely played in the first preseason game. So you got your best left tackle on the roster. He's not playing. So that means that even your left tackle is going to be a downgrade from the end of last year, Matt. So I don't see how they're actually better in 2019. Yeah, no, I mean. Uh, I got – I said
1: Khalil is going to start left tackle week one because they gave him so enough million dollars for him not to. And even that Packers preseason game, I mean, his punch is just – and his hands are so, uh, you know, atrocious. Like whenever he punches, he doesn't stop anybody and he gets turned back around the quarterback and he holds every play because of it. Uh, you know, watching Titus Howard, Howard's – the biggest problem I saw with Howard was just his hands are awful. He wasn't able to start the chest and hold it all. And whenever your center moves off to help on the right side of the line of scrimmage, he loses the block because his hands aren't there, you know, controlling. He's not overtaking blocks. And the same thing at the second level, he was falling off of blocks too much. And his hands were just really bad. The one thing I did like about the preseason game was I really liked Fulton at center. Hopefully, whenever – even whenever Nick Martin gets back, I hope we just move center. I, I hope Fulton just starts at center. I think he's better at the than Martin. I think they'd be better off of Martin uh, being benched. Like, and Henderson has the same problems as Khalil where Henderson is like 6'7", 340 pounds. But, again, he has no upper body strength. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, snuff out pass rush at all with his punch because he has such a weak punch. Um, I thought Sharp, you know, Sharp moving to guard makes sense because, like I said, for, you know, I guess, the last four months or so, he doesn't have an NFL caliber pass set. And I don't care that he gave up one pressure at, you know, the University of Miami, Ohio with the mobile quarterback and that strange sort of offense. He doesn't have an NFL level pass set. And you know, even like he was I don't know, I didn't see much I didn't see much like vertical movement from him. I didn't see much drive from him. I thought it was whatever from, from him at, at right guard. But like I just I just don't know what they're doing with the offensive line. And they the other weird thing about too was that they didn't play Rankin. They didn't play Davenport really at all. I know Davenport didn't come in like you mentioned and they put Rankin as the right guard against the third string. And I know I understand like, I don't know necessarily like favoritism or how they play in training camp, that sort of thing. But it's just so weird to me that you're playing like uh, your, your UDFA guys on the second team instead of these two guys who have starred before and have talent and, uh, and have played you know, somewhat good enough before. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think Downport's probably the best left tackle. I don't think he's going to play at all. Uh, and going back to versatility too, like Howard playing left guard just makes sense for this year. Charvin playing right guard makes sense for this year. But that was the first thing Bill O'Brien says, like, I, I, love, versati- I love versatility. We stress versatility. You stress versatility for your backup offensive linemen. Like you mentioned with Chris Clark or your left guard or like Manks, you know. That's where you want your versatility. You don't want your versatility with your starting offensive line. And I think they've already screwed the development in a lot of ways. They've already kind of screwed up this offensive line. And uh, I do think it's going to be worse than it was last year. Even worse than offensive line that was last in the league in sacks allowed and, and pressure rate.
0: So, so let's move, kind of move on. We, we, we were pretty much in agreement. So in my perfect world heading into the season, my offensive line would be, um, oh my gosh, is this really, that's difficult of a question. Mine would be, oh my gosh, Davenport, Fulton, Manx, Rankin, uh, Sharping, Rankin. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it sounds better than Khalil, Howard, uh, Martin, Fulton, Henderson, for sure. And, and the other thing, too, about it's like whenever week one happens, they come in with this offensive line, i give it a half. It's going to last. Like, I think Cameron Jordan would have three sacks against Khalil in the first half. Oh, yeah. And then they're, they're scrambling around immediately. I think probably try try Howard at left tackle after him playing left guard all preseason, uh, and uh, the whole thing drives me crazy. I saw some, some tweet by uh, – that by Patrick Starr that was like, Rankin, Davenport game, working work well, one drills look great. I said, great, good. I want to hear more of that. I just want, I just want them to have a shot. And it seems like Bill Bryant has this weird doghouse where he has this favoritism where it's like, I, I I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's so easy to bury the depth chart for no reason. And I think all that is what's happened
0: in the offensive line as well, too. But
1: I mean, I hate it. I, I, I really hated watching that first preseason game and just watching how bad this offensive line was.
0: Yeah, my, my best hope for this offensive line is that Khalil embarrasses, embarrasses himself so badly in the preseason that we just have no choice but to cut him because he looks so bad. And you know what? It's exactly how he's looked the last three years when he's actually yeah. played. He has been the worst left tackle in football for three solid years now.
1: And I think he even go back. Like, he hasn't been good since his rookie year, and that was, I think, 2013, 2014, uh, whenever he played for the Vikings – like He hasn't been good since then, and uh, he almost murdered Cam Newton plenty of times so when he was out there, too. I just like, He just has no punch at all. I The one the other good thing I can say about the offensive line is uh, try to be a little more positive. I thought Robert Johnson played pretty well at left tackle. I think he played better than Khalil did. I think he played better than Sancho Henderson did. I know he was like a backup on the practice hall last year, but uh, I was okay with his performance. But that's, you know, I'm, I'm making a which I'm doing my best here. I'm doing my best. Yeah, Robert Johnson played okay last Thursday.
0: But well, just, We're just grasping for straws. We just need straws in front of us to grasp at so we can be doing it literally.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what were some other things that picked up on this first preseason game against the Green Bay Packers?
0: Well, that Joe Webb is a gutsy dude. I really picked that up. The uh, dude was running for his life from the, from the first snap um like literally the first snap and wasn't the first wasn't there a hold on the first play of the game i know khalil i know
1: khalil got a, a holding call pretty early man
0: which i thought was pretty funny
1: yeah
0: um but yeah i just i, I really felt for joe webb he did what he could out there and um it, it's terrifying to think that they were facing like the packers you know a couple of Packer starters. And, not, and they're not a great team at getting to the quarterback. What's going to happen? Again, you bring up Cameron Jordan. What happens when we play Cameron Jordan? I mean, he's going to destroy whomever he faces. And my, my goodness. So, good for Joe Webb.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I would kind of rather see Joe Webb as the back quarterback than McCarran because at least, like, there is that mobility and movement and can deal with some of the stuff that he had to deal with. Like McCarran would have died. like his. his oh, yeah. His guts would have been hanging out of his torso, you know, if uh, he was out there. I, I do think going back to the Packers, though, like, they put their backups. Like, I didn't see the Smiths out there. I didn't see Kenny Clark out there. I do think the Packers have at least a top ten pass rush this season with Gary, with, you know, Z'Darrius, with Preston Smith, with uh, Blake Martinez, the ability to blitz from the inside, with Kenny Clark's ability to the go rusher. They were your know, 12th and separate last year, and that's – without, you know, this big inclusion of talent they had this season. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, so so I, am, I am excited to watch Green Bay's pass rush this year. Um, the other thing that was offensive line that I really picked up on was how bad the pass rush was against Green Bay from Houston's perspective. So lots on the field, plans on the field. Mercers was out there. He tried to do some spin moves against the Packers. He had up backup tackle. Didn't work out very well. Uh, as a team, they had zero, zero sacks, zero four-back hits. Zero pressures. I mean, not zero pressures. Um, zero sacks. Zero quarterback hits. Zero tackles for a loss. I think the only pressure I saw was on the McKinney Blitz, where Deshaun Kaiser was able to hit the post anyways in this phase. And so this is the pass rush that we're talking about. Where going back to the pre, going back to uh, the off season, they need to add additional interior rusher. They need to add you know pass rushing help because it's just wall and clowning. That's it. And so whenever you why well, I'm playing off the field, this is what you get. Big goose eggs across the board. And I think it just goes back to for, for the point that the Houston Texans really need Jade Van Clowney. Like, they can't – like, I can't stress this enough. This is going to be one of the worst pass in football
0: if Clowney's not on the field uh, this season for them. And, and they're going to be bad even if he is on the field. I mean, they're not going to be – you're going to have two guys doing all the heavy lifting. I don't, you yeah, know,
1: they'll be, they'll, it'll, be, it'll be mediocre at
0: least. You know? Yeah, yeah. So at least there's some threat that the quarterback might actually you know, go down.
1: And they also make a lot of really impact, impact plays, too, where they force fumbles, they recover fumbles. And, you know, you think back to that Colts game last year, the Eagles game last year, where uh, you know, Clowney had a touchdown, Clowney strip sack and he folds, He stopped that two-point conversion, ripping his head off. While lot with the strip-sack, they, they create a touchdown as well, too, in those games. Like, it's not – it's more than just, like, pressures and hits. The, it's the fumbles that they create, and the bad passes that sort of lead the turnovers, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh.
1: Uh, to... I didn't
0: go ahead. go ahead no I was just going to say I just I cannot imagine watching this team without Clowny. yeah <laughs>
1: and also like aesthetically like I just love watching Clowney play like oh, yeah. I've never seen somebody he's a barbarian out there like he has like a, a skull you know like his his entire shoulder has out of skulls you know and he has a an ear. he has a necklace made out of ears and like in one hand he has a a scalp of his enemy you know like he's just he's just such a murderous guy and i'm just like as a fan perspective like i have just miss watching him play not
0: out there yeah i think my favorite play and it's just so stupid it's like celebrating after giving up a 15 yard rush right is when he makes a play from behind on a guy that you know he's he's down the field 20, 15 20 yards and tackling a guy cuz you just don't expect that you don't expect that kind of speed and that kind of ability to recover i just i love it it's just so menacing yeah.
1: but he doesn't play hard
0: though he doesn't play hard.
1: Yeah, he doesn't bring it every play, which is so stupid. Um, the other two things I saw from his first preseason game is the run defense is good. There's no argument against that. It should still be, even without Clowney, it's going to be a top 10 run defense. With Clowney, you're looking at you know, the best run defense in football. It's also funny, too, like, football outsiders, their projections for this year, they have the Texans as having the best defense in football this season, and that includes J. Van Clowney. Um, I wonder how much that would drop without him, but also, Deshaun Kaiser, uh, he looked really good, and hopefully we get to see him start one day because I know we both really enjoyed him when college. <laughs> especially his ability to throw the deep ball downfield. Like, one of my favorite throws of all time was that touchdown through Will Fuller against Virginia when it was for upset, where he was just like 75 yards in the air, getting Fuller Ryan stride. So hopefully we get to see Kyle Teddy
0: Bridgewater. Hopefully we get to see him start again one day. Yeah, I agree with that. It, I'd like to see him play. He's, he's a fun guy to watch. Yeah.
1: yeah, I enjoy watching him. Um, so you have anything else from this first preseason game you want to bring up?
0: The only thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, the one guy who I enjoyed the most watching um, during the game, and he only had two catches, but there's something about Tyron Johnson that kind of physically arouses me, and I'd like to see a lot more of him. I think this is a guy he's – got, he's got elite speed. He looks like he can run routes just fine uh he's a he's a little dude um i i look at him and i'm going man i want to stick him in the or he's only six ones he's not that little but there's something about him that just really excited me
1: yeah so you'd rather have him be like the fifth wide receiver instead of vincent smith
0: I, as of right now i like the rapport that vincent smith supposedly has with with uh deshaun watson but I don't know, man. Watching Tyron Johnson play was really cool. I like Vincent Smith a lot. You know, I can't yeah. deny that. But. I just like how
1: he's made – he's from, like, an imaginary college. Like, he's not from Limestone – he's not from Limestone University. He's from Limestone State University. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they also – want to add off him for his preseason game. Uh, but already this Saturday, they have joint practices against the Lions uh, today, and then they will have that game tomorrow. And Saturday at 7 o'clock, they play the Lions. Uh, what are you looking forward to in this game as with Bill Bryan and Matt Patricia try to outbuild Belichick one another?
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a, just a great way to put it. I, it's the preseason. I don't really look for anything is the honest truth. I just, you know, looking for the, watching the guys play. We're not going to see any scheme gives. We're not going to see a lot of things. You know, the biggest thing is what's the offensive line going to look like? I haven't seen, maybe there's been, I haven't seen an update on Manx. I don't know what his situation is heading into this week. So, um, and how bad his injury is. So what's going to, what's that going to do? Cause he's, you know, he's probably the best Fulton's probably technically the best center on the team, but I like Manx a lot at center and I like them both a lot more than Martin at center. So I would like to have Manx cause guy guy's a more than solid backup. I mean, he is a very average guy and, and on this offensive line, that's pretty elite.
1: <laughs> uh, that's a good sentence. I like that sentence. Yeah, I, I mean, really, I'm just going to be watching the offensive line again. And I, really, I just want to see Davenport get some snaps to left tackle again. I want to see Martinez Rankin get some snaps the, as, like, the number two guard, even playing right tackle, that sort of thing. Because, um, I mean, it's insane having an offensive line this bad and have all these UDFAs, you know, playing the majority of snaps in the second half. Uh, like that Shazir guy and whatever. It just doesn't make much sense to me at all. And hopefully, like, Howard's hands are better. Hopefully, you know, Sharpie shows more movement at the first level. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not expecting for much here. But mainly I'll be watching the offensive line. Because this is – it depends if the Lions play their starters or not. But the Lions should have a really good run defense this year with, uh, with Mike Daniels, with Hand, with Robinson, um, and then also with Jonathan Hankins as well too. Like they should have like a, a really great run defense this year. And so
0: watching them against that front would be fun as well too. Yeah, and not so much of a pass rush.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to get to the quarterback this year at all.
0: If there's a defense that's like ours, it's theirs. They've got better cornerbacks, but they've got nobody to get the, to get the quarterback dirty.
1: Yeah, all, and all their pass rush just comes from their linebacker splitting. That's how they set up their rush. But, uh, yeah, and so maybe – and also Duke Johnson's not going to play on Saturday. They're, you probably won't expect Kiki Cutie until you know, maybe week four or so. They say it was not a serious injury after he hurt his foot in that Packers game, uh, and hopefully Deshaun Watson plays too. Like hopefully we get to see at least two two you know series from him and see some you know, deep field passes at least. Uh, and also I'd like to see somebody, just like anybody, just like hit the quarterback one time, <laughs> like just once, because like the Lions don't have that. The Lions have invested a bunch in their offensive line, but it's super mediocre, and so hopefully somebody can can just like just at least smell the quarterback.
0: <laughs> God, that's pathetic. That's, that's how low the bar is.
1: Oh, it's, it's as low as it can be so far.
0: So the, the
1: last thing we have for tonight, uh, except from the one listener question that we have, is that there's some big AFC South news that Andrew Locke has missed training camp because of a calf injury, and then they've isolated an injury. as an ankle injury, and they're going to be working diligently to try and get him healthy and pain-free um, for the upcoming season. So the Colts' schedule to start the year is it's at the Chargers, at Tennessee, Atlanta, Oakland, and at Kansas City. And so, BFD, do you think an injury to luck opens the door for the Texans, the Colts, and the Jaguars to have won this division if he does miss an extended amount of time?
0: Well, the problem is is that we're not playing him during that time. So I don't really think it opens the door for us. I think it does for Tennessee just merely because they get to play him. They get to play uh, uh, brisket. I'm not calling him his by his real name. He's Jacoby yeah. I don't care. Um, so, uh, you know, we don't get to play them during that time. So, you know, when you look at their schedule, the chargers game looks a lot more difficult. The BSS game, game looks more difficult, but Atlanta was always going to be tough. I, I'm pretty sure that my old intramural football team, and even though we're all in our late forties or early fifties at this point could beat Oakland. Um, and then KC is going to be a tough one anyway. So, you know, it's, it's the Colts, I think, still are in the driver's seat for the division, but that's if luck can come back. Um, I, I don't think they can lose them for much more than those four or five weeks. Yeah Yeah, I think it
1: really opens the doors for, I would say Jacksonville, just because the times are mediocre at everything. They're not good at anything. They may be good at, they may have a great run offense this year maybe, but uh, they're, not, they're just pretty average at everything. And the Jaguars, I'm expecting for that defense to be a top-ten defense team this year. The entire offense is going to be healthy again. And the difference from Bortles to Foles, even if I don't think Foles is – I think Foles is very average. But even then, like the difference between Bortles and Foles, I think it's like a 40% difference. Oh, yeah. last year, this year. And so the Colts do start off 1-4 because luck is hurt. That I think it opens the door for um, the Jaguars, especially probably in this division. And, you know, Houston during that same time period where they play – at the Saints on Monday night, and they play the they play the Jacksonville uh, – I, I almost combined the Jaguars and the Chargers, and I keep doing it. Uh, and they play Jacksonville, and they play Los Angeles, the Chargers, and they play Carolina, Atlanta, Kansas City, and they don't play Indy until week seven. And like, their first, like, eight games are – their entire schedule is super tough, except for the Tampa game and the Oakland game. And the rest of the time, you're expecting Houston to probably not be favored in those games, except for probably I against mean, Tennessee as well, too. So um, I don't think Houston really has the opportunity to, to pounce on any schedule, but I think it will still look for probably Jackson will know.
0: Yeah, I, I like the point that you're making with that. I just, you know, when I look at the schedule, especially those first few games, wow, well, I just, you know, these are really tough matchups. Look, Nick Foles beat us last year. You only have to beat Nick Foles good to beat this defense. And that's a big problem for the Texans this year is we're playing a lot of guys who are better than Nick Foles.
1: Yeah, and Foles had an awesome game. He threw, like, 350 yards that game. And the one pass rush that Houston said in that game wasn't from Watt at all. Watt was held down the entire game and was all from Clowney. Clowney was the one who was, like, the one record they had in defense. And even then, they still scored 31 points. Right. And Clowney even forced a fumble in the red zone that game led to an easy Houston touchdown that Watson scrambled on. And so, I don't know. <laughs> it just sucks. And, and like it goes back to what we talked about in this offseason, that they have all this draft capital, they have all these resources, and they have a super tough schedule next year. And, like, they have to have a great offseason because if they don't, they're going to regress, especially the schedule they're going into. And I, I, I don't know. I, can, I don't think you can make the argument that the team got better because of how bad the offensive line is. And the secondary got better. And the defense got a little bit better, but it doesn't. Clowney's not available. And I think it was like you mentioned earlier. I, I can't think of a worst off season, except for maybe the 16 Texans who signed name redacted and then chose Jeff Allen over Brandon Brooks and uh, and signed Lamar Miller to a big contract. But that was like three bad decisions instead of you know 15, 20 bad decisions we've seen this year. And uh, it's also amazing. What the, how bad that Dwayne Brown trade set this team back to you know, for a second-round pick and a third-round pick. And Brown's still star in Seattle. He's still really great. And the Texans still have found an option to look tackle three years later. And it's, it's, we thought it was a dumb trade at the time, and it's amazing how much of a disaster that trade was.
0: And it's, I, I, I'm still amazed that, that, that there was such a large number of people who said we, we, that was, we needed to make that trade and get rid of Dwayne Brown. I just don't you know, left tackles are really important in football.
1: Well, I think the argument is that they don't want to—they didn't want to extend and pay him, guarantee money because he was 32 years old. But you can play tackle for a long time, and uh, yeah, and yeah, they, it was an awful trade. It was a terrible decision, and that was a, that was a Rick Smith decision. It wasn't even Brian game decision as well either. But it really is amazing the real effects that trade has had to this roster. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think we can do it like in time. Entire- podcast on, on the Brown trade division. or at least our like article because I mean Brown was good last year he's been good in Seattle yeah oh yeah uh, so the the two questions that we have for this podcast one was from Upper Route Texan he said you sure you have to talk about the Houston Texans and yeah I'm sure and we just did it uh, the second question was from CM S454 and he said Matt what do you think Matt close PFF rate will be at the end of the season and I think he's gonna play like a half of the first game, and it's gonna be like a forty point four, or maybe like a thirty eight point seven, like something just like it's gonna be below forty five. I'm guessing. And but like, I bet like he grades out well in the run game though. Than they, uh, I like some meaningless plays like away from him where he just seals the backside defensive end, where he gets like a plus two. Like I think he gets enough of those that it gives it bumps him up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm expecting something in the forties though.
0: Like, like, what is the bare minimum? When you take the SAT, like, you just write your name and you get, like, 200 points on the SAT. Yeah, right? yeah something like that. <laughs> so, what, what, if you just write your name down for the PFF, you know, PFF score, what is that? Is that, like, a 10? I
1: don't know. I mean, let, me email, like, <laughs> let me email that guy who, who tried to defend uh, their stats on the internet the other day. Like, hey, what's the minimum I get for just sitting up and staying on the
0: last scrimmage? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. That was such a troll of a question. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, they, None of it means – I'm so – also, like,
1: I just hate the preseason stuff. Like, all, like, the training camp gifts and, like, clips, like, there was so much analysis about that Titus Howard pass block, where the guy spins, he falls starts, he spins, he grabs him, he throws him down. They call that as a holding belt often enough. But that – and then also just the, the training, the preseason analysis – like, I can't think of any – We talk, I talked about this with Chris when we did the previous show. Like, I can't think of anything that happened in the preseason that had any reality in the regular season. It's like, oh, wow. Except for Tom Savage being terrible. Like, we knew Tom <laughs> Savage was terrible because we saw it the year <laughs> before that. And uh, I mean, that's really the only thing I can think of, you know. It's, it's, a lot of the stuff is just a bunch of noise, and it's what we do because we miss football. But like, no, most of it doesn't really mean anything at all.
0: Yeah, I just love that, that one clip. Like, we're going to base – titus howard hall of fame you know based upon one clip of that with the hold and <laughs> i was just like oh my gosh is that really i the mean that's thing- like that's like film study is being three seconds of a twitter post that's film study
1: yeah no the best is also it's from like a cbs news anchor. it's like Titus out here is out is out here mulling people it's like sure dude sure <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, nobody writes anymore. It's all just Twitter, Twitter gifts, and nobody writes anything at all anymore. Everything's just uh, – something you can scroll through your phone for three seconds at a time as, right. as we float – as we hit the fast forward of in our lives. So, um, but that's all I have for tonight. I don't know if you have anything else, Phil.
0: No, I'm just – this is the sixth year for Bill O'Brien being the head coach of your Houston Texans. It's crazy. I can, I can see it now. We're going to – this team's going to go 5-11. and 11. Everybody's gonna write it off and say, "Hey, it's because Bill O'Brien didn't have a GM, and so we're gonna head into a seventh season with Bill O'Brien as your head coach, and the team is not gonna go anywhere as long as he's here."
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. You bring that up, like we talked about, whenever game was fired, my conspiracy theory was that he went to the owner, he had him fired, he used as a game as a scapegoat because he saw how he saw this roster, he saw his schedule. It's like, oh, this is gonna be a a six-win season probably. I need to jump ahead of the curve to keep my job, and I don't. Like even if Houston won five games next year, I still think they would
0: fire him. Like I don't even know what it would take for Bill O'Brien to get fired next year. Yeah, because he still gets all the credibility for the eleven five season last year. It's like Yeah. We went eleven and five because we played a bunch of teams who didn't know how to throw the football. Because the
1: schedule changed. Yeah. Well and also the schedule went from thirty first, uh toughest to the second toughest this year projected. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like the one thing I could think of is if he like they're they're three and twelve, and they lose week seventeen. They're three and thirteen, and he goes to the podium and he says a bunch of racist slurs, and uh, and then calls you know female reporter you know by some bad name or something. Even then, I don't think he'd even lose his job. He'd still find a way to stick around. I don't well, know. I
0: don't, there's nothing. The not man still around.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Cal played football at UT. He's a little bit more uh, progressive, I guess. But I, yeah, I don't know what it would take for Bill Riding to fire after this season.
0: I don't think he. I don't think he is. He's going to be. Is going. We're going to be talking about him three years from now, heading into his 10th season as a head coach, and we still have one playoff win under our belts.
1: Yeah, it's a nice feature. To look forward to. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're going be on tonight. BFT. We'll have to do maybe do another show like this next week after the Texans play the Lions. And then uh, maybe, I don't know. I just don't like preseason
0: football at all. Preseason sucks. Uh,
1: yeah, and then tomorrow, if you're listening to this, we'll have our NFC South preview go up. And then Monday, I'm doing a Tennessee Titans preview. So we'll preview every division, every team, entering the, the season, all of this podcast. And then do these separate Texans episodes until the season starts in about three weeks here. So, anyway, Sounds great. Thank you we'll be being on time, BFT. My name's Matt mm-hmm. Weston. Thank you for listening.